Hey everybody, welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 56, the show where I'm just mad because Daniel's supposed to have serious allergies and yet even he doesn't sneeze in a planet supposedly filled with toxins. Not that we see anything Not to really uh, see communicate that, other than one random comment about my lungs are on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Although he did sound congested in the last scene. I guess. I was so done. I was like, yeah, right, cool. I figured that was Michael Shanks, though, and not the writing. Yeah, maybe he's had a cold. Yeah, it honestly sounded like if if um, if Michael Shanks had a cold, that's what it sounded like. So I'm Mel. And I'm Liz. And yay, we knew our names this time. Woo! And today, we are covering Season 3, Episode 12, Joliner's Memories. It's a secret two-parter. They didn't actually label it a two-parter, but it is two- it is a two-parter. <laughs> yeah, which I uh, did not... I was expecting this episode to be a cool trivia episode, considering how the first thing I read was actually like, Oh, wow! <laughs> Apparently this episode was so expensive to make that the production staff ended up having to make a call. And they turned it into a two-parter as a result. And the only other two-parter that's more expensive is the pilot. In the whole show. This is one of the most expensive episodes they made, apparently. That's crazy. You can't tell from the backdrop. Yeah, that's the thing is, I gotta say, guys, I, I'm not sure if I can tell. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that, I should be able to tell. That backdrop looks so bad. There were some, there were some truly questionable moments of uh, CGI. And, 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 and mm, here's the thing. The CGI isn't what got me, really. I mean, it wasn't great, but that wasn't what broke me here. I, I laugh a lot at extras, especially when they like their only job is to grab onto you and make it look like you're being held. So like they just like mm-hmm. grab your shoulder, but like firmly. Yeah, and it's like how dastardly of you! You're gonna pinch me to death. Okay, cool. Like that, I can't blame them for. But I definitely can blame them for when they're supposedly trying to break down a door, and these two guys are like barely moving at it, much less pretending to throw themselves at it. I they're mean, just they're tap, tap, just tapping it. Kind of. They're, they're like, knocking. They're supposedly taking their entire bodies, and yet they're only just going like, thunk. 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 <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, but were those doors made out of, like, the shittiest fiberglass, and they were tired of breaking them in takes? So the, the director was like, hey, guys, just chill. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. It doesn't need to look that real, okay? It's hell. I don't know. There was no, there's no excuse. You're exhausted. You're tired. You're exhausted. There we go. You might be, you might look like you have muscles, but in reality, you're emaciated and dying, and supposedly your air quality is shit, so love, love tap that door. <laughs> don't, don't actually try. So, yeah, um. We're so thrilled with this episode. I, it wasn't terrible. It's just, it's just kind of a. It's, it's there. It's to lead into the next one. Yep. Yeah, so today we are watching Season 3, Episode 12, Joel Leonard's Memories. And the official synopsis for this is... Carter's father has been captured on a moon, transformed into a literal hell. As no one has ever escaped from hell except for Jolinar, Tokra technology is used to access Jolinar's memories from Carter's mind but not before an old foe shows up to foil the rescue mission. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't show up. You you guys went to him. Yeah. But, <laughs> but they didn't know he was going to be there, so. It's uh honestly for a synopsis, it it's, it's it does exactly what yeah, it needs no, to do. It, it gives you um, a little blurb of technical information. Speaking of um synopses, I actually had a a proposition for you on our format 
Just a tiny little change. Yeah, what's that? I'm scared. What if from now on, when I say what we're going to do next week, I read the synopsis for that episode then as a little preview? Oh, sure. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Then it's one last thing we have to try and fit into the talks before we actually talk about the episode. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like a good idea. I like that. Because there's been a couple times where we forget that we were supposed to read yeah. the synopsis. We forget a lot of things. We forget our own names, so... We just get talking. That's the problem. It's always the problem it with often us. often is. <laughs> it's always the damn problem with us. But yeah, so um, we're just like so so on 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 top of this right now. Yeah, I'm tired, man. <laughs> I'm very tired. I got two days of garbage sleep, and three recordings to take care of in that interim. So I'm I'm working on it, trying to get there. Your dedication is admirable. Uh, so let's actually talk about this episode. Uh, this episode was written. Uh, by a, a duo, and it's a new duo. We haven't seen them before. Uh, Sonny Wareham and Daniel Stashower. Yeah, um, I just had the trivia up, and then I made it go away. Uh, da, da. Oh, that's right, because I was looking up something else. <laughs> How dare you. I know, right? Yeah, this is their only episode. Yeah, yeah, this is this is their only episode. <laughs> they, they showed up just for this. Oh, my God. Like... <laughs> Sure, why not? Okay, it's it's not, I don't know. It's not like it's a terrible episode, it's just funny that, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny when they only show up for one episode, one. that's yeah, always and funny. two people. I always have questions when an episode involves two people, so. Unless it's uh, Brad Wright and Glasner, since yeah. they're the showrunners. Yeah, I guess, I, you know, but even then I had like the general question of, what's going on in this episode, I wonder, that's gonna need mm. their expertise combined. So when I see two people, especially when they're only together for this episode, yeah. I, just, I wonder what the hell was going on back there. It's kind of like, hmm, I wonder if this is something to do with why it was so expensive to make. Oopsie. Uh, and it's directed by your favorite, Peter DeLuise. Yay! Uh, I gotta say, it's definitely not badly directed, but I have to say this isn't his best work. I mean, he has to work around, um... Two writers. <laughs> extensive, expensive, and terrible special effects. Yeah, plus when you have that many extras on set, you just have too many extra things to worry about. Although he's had that in his other stuff, too, and he's been fine before, so I got nothing. I, I don't really know why this one wasn't the best. It just, I don't know, the whole thing just felt kind of... It, it kept reminding me of, like, my high school plays <gasps> in the general field. Well, I will say, uh... There was one shot that I actually really enjoyed. Just kind of, it, like, it, it tickled me. It tickled it's, me. Uh, it's during one of the flashbacks uh, when they're zooming in on the warden guy. Yeah. And, like, they zoom in on the warden, and it's not a smooth zoom. It's like a doot, 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 like a three-jolted movement. Right. And each new movement of the zoom is in beat with a drum of the background music. I liked it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't always catch that the way I should. That's kind of fun. I always pay attention to the way, um... <laughs> time to shame myself again. Uh, the reason I pay attention to the way, like, the beats of, of uh, scenes hit when it comes to the music behind it is because of my extensive collection of downloaded fan vids that I'm incredibly picky about. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, I, um, when it comes to 
stuff landing on the beat and stuff, I'll tend to notice that. It's when it's being zoomed in and out, I don't tend to notice zooms as much. Or, like, I'll be watching something, um, like, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, for example, and it'll, <laughs> it'll only sporadically be something I notice. <laughs> but every now and then I'll be like, oh, that's right, this is, um, these are handheld cameras. Not, <laughs> these are on the shoulders, not, uh, not mounted cameras. Because the cameras do move. They're not yeah. fully steady. And I don't always catch it. And there's, a, and I, I think it's because I kind of don't want to. Like, I just, you know, it, it's annoying to me, the movement. So I, I tend to, like, uh-huh. you know, like, make it go away. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately, it does tend to, every now and then, Eric will be like, hey, that's a cool little tri- uh, trick they did with the zooming. And I'll be like, what zoom trick? And they literally will do a thing in that moment. I'll be paying attention to the dialogue and everything. I'll be paying attention to the shot. But I missed the part where literally on every punctuated note that he said, the camera zoomed in. But I didn't catch any of it. Because the camera's moving so much that the general movement is something that just flies by me. So that's a really weird thing that happens with me sometimes. But it only happens in those very specific cases. But whenever it's specifically just movement... For some reason, I, I got nothing. It, it's it's annoying because, like, for example, somebody will be like, oh, that's a cool trick. And I'll be like, they did a trick? <laughs> <laughs> I would pay money to be able to remember the first time I watched Jaws. Because I know I remember all the scary shit, of course. But I, and I was really young. My dad should not have let me watch it at that age. But you know how Jaws is obviously famous for the Hitchcock zoom that it uses. Yeah. It wasn't until, like, the fourth time that I watched that movie that somebody finally pointed that out to me why it was important as a zoom. And I honestly couldn't tell you if I ever noticed it before that. Dude, speaking of the Hitchcock zoom, so, uh, psych. It's been a while since I mentioned them. Yeah. It hasn't been a while, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, they have that that trilogy of episodes, the, uh, the Yin Yang yeah. murders episodes. And there's the second episode... It, which is my favorite one, is the one that's also directed by um, the lead actor, James Roday. And it's all based around Hitchcock. They actually use some of his, like, camera methods. Right. Like, they do, uh, for someone falling down the stairs, they do, like, one of the Hitchcock camera tricks and everything. And yeah. it's so cool to see. Yeah, he was a cool director. Shitty person. Cool director. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> talking about... Uh, appreciating Zoom's list. I I know you don't watch Pokemon, but there's one scene I have to show you because me and Kaylee watched it three separate times and died every time we watched it. Okay. You know Team Rocket, yeah, right? Yeah. You know Meowth? Yep. Their little mascot Meowth who can actually speak English? Yep. Yep, he taught himself how to speak, yep. Yes. Okay. So, there's an episode where Jessie wants to compete in a Pokemon competition where she's supposed to have four Pokemon. Well, Team Rocket usually only have one Pokemon. Right. However, in this episode, she had recently just caught another one. But, uh, so, when Team Rocket's like, well, you have o- you've only got Arbok, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna use yours, James. <laughs> and, and, and they're like, oh, okay. And they're like, okay, but that's still only two Pokemon. And Jessie's like, not quite. And then she just kind of crouches down at the edge of the stage and stares at Meowth. And Meowth stares at her. And there's like a good like minute, minute and a half long zoom in sequence between the two of them where it just goes to Jessie, zooms in a little bit on her face. Goes to Meowth, zooms in a little on his face, and it goes back and forth like five times until it zooms in so close on Jessie's eye that you see Meowth reflected in her eye, at which point he goes, wait, I'm a Pokemon! Amazing. <laughs> it's so 
funny. I'd like to think I would have caught that one. Yeah, I was hoping. I think you would have. So yeah, so sometimes the zooms are things I can notice. A lot of times, though, it's hit or miss. I love the fact that despite the fact that they are like 18 to 20 minute episodes, Pokemon never shies away from lingering on a joke like that. They will spend their time on it. That's anime in a nutshell, though. (laughs) They never have any trouble wasting an entire episode on basically nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen Dragon Ball Z? Oh my god. I I don't, because I don't need to spend uh, 10 episodes for a single fight. There's a reason I, I... Stopped watching Naruto too. <laughs> no, ten ten is a conservative es- estimate for Dragon Ball Z. I uh, I I wasn't allowed to watch it you know, as a kid, obviously. But when I got older, I finally decided to. Well, that's a lie. Uh, I was going to eventually, and then Eric was like, "Oh, you want to watch it? Cool, we're watching it." And then we did. Um, <laughs> did you at least watch the Cell Saga with Trunks? Because that we watched a good everything. One. No, we watched everything. It just took forever because there are a million and ten episodes. And then there's that whole like training cheat where you can go into that room and train for like a hundred days but you're only in there for like five minutes or something yeah yeah time dilation chamber that garbo (laughs) yeah well it's not garbo when sga does it i just can't wait for malp on a stick Mouth on a stick. We'll get there eventually. And in, uh, on that note, let's actually get into it. I know, it. I did it. I did it. I looped us back. Woo! We always get back eventually. Yeah, but I'm so proud of myself when I'm actually able to do it like coherently instead of just being like, well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, usually it's so. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's my transition is the, but yeah. yeah. Trust me, I know I'm the one that cuts it out every time. I should cut it out of my editing, but sometimes it's like way too abrupt of a transition oh, well, otherwise. Oh, so. I leave it in when it makes sense. Yeah. I just cut it out when we, when, like between the two of us, we'll say it six times in a minute and it's like, okay, we can eliminate five of this. Okay, that's fair. You can get rid of it then. <laughs> the other but, like, five. Sometimes it's like, well, how, how do you transition from talking about something else entirely to getting back? Dude, I've, I have gone and found snippets of you saying but yeah from different parts of the recording grabbed it and brought it over to where i am trying to edit <laughs> i have put it in where i need it where times for some reason even though we're like the masters of awkward not subtle transitions there'll be times where we'll be like yeah anyway so this person will be talking except he won't say anyway we'll just go from what we're saying like yeah james bond sucks <laughs> so sam was talking to this guy and it's like james bond sucks <laughs> and this was like seriously there was one time where like we literally ended on yeah fuck that guy sam did this thing with the thing and i'm like <laughs> why did we do that and it sounded so stupid would you like me to record a couple of but yes for you <laughs> no i already have a small collection of our uh, of all of our little thingies i have them all- i actually have a file for them in case i ever oh need them oh my lord oh my lord of course i have a lot Whatever. of sound bites sure. make my life easier oh god i wish i was that smart so yes the episode begins with us in the gate room it's either every episode begins with us either in the gate room getting a dial in or us on a planet with forests those are the two ways we start an episode yay stargate Woo! (laughs) (laughs) today's is in the gate room and they get the alert and they get a gdo transmission from the dude he says i not walter says i'm receiving a gdo signature and my only thought there is you are in season three and you have definitely said idc how many times now motherfucker pick one they will not well to be fair these are new writers 
you have three seasons of content, writers. You could have fa- found at least a couple of instances where no one says GDO signature at the very least. Nah, why would they do that? Come on. I don't know, consistency? My sanity? Ridiculous. No, they're not doing that for you. Yeah. But yes, so he has, um, they're like, oh, it's a Tokra. And <laughs> Jack, <laughs> as soon as he said it, I was like, I'm glad I'm not watching this with Liz. <laughs> As soon as I saw it, I texted you like, "Yeah, I'm sure you fucking enjoyed this, you literally <laughs> piece screeching. Of garbage, literally <laughs> screeching." Uh, yeah, so Jack looks at Sam and goes, "Maybe it's Dad." Talking, of course, about Jacob. <laughs> and I was like, "Yep, I'm sure Liz loved that." But then my next text to you was, "It's not Dad, it's Daddy, <laughs> because it's Martuf." <laughs> listening can see the angry face you're making do not ruin jr born for me uh you've seen teen wolf right he is daddy do you have any idea how hard i have i have gone to great lengths to keep this man directly in my sexy column and not my sexy daddy column because the sexy daddy <laughs> column is an empty column because I don't have a sexy daddy column. <laughs> the concept of daddy makes me so deeply uncomfortable. I'm fine making the joke because I'm asexual. Yeah. Doesn't matter to me. I don't judge anybody for their kinks, and I know Rule Fifty Four exists for a reason. But Mel, could you? At least for me. Stop trying to ruin this man for me. No, I'm gonna keep making the joke. Jack laid it up for me. He laid it up for me. (laughs) What else was I supposed to make a joke about? It's bad enough that I have a hard time ogling Richard Dean Anderson because he is so much older than me and... Every time I make a comment like, ooh, that's a man right there, I also take a moment. (laughs) I always take a moment to go, oh, ew, dad's age. I asked for so little. Nope, not getting that for me. I mean, I, do, I should just know my audience by now, so yeah, probably. You should. That's on you. You brought this on yourself. True. True. So yes, it is Martouf who is back again, because they knew what they had with J.R. Bourne, and they're going to keep going back to that well. Uh, and they find out from him that Jacob has been captured by Sokar, but they're pretty sure he's still alive because... If, you know, normally if someone gets caught like that, you get sent to what, to what he has made, like, his own hell. Because, you know, he's pretending to be the devil for some fucking reason. It was, it was, it was dumb enough as a concept when they did it in Demon. But if they had just left it alone there, it could have been a one-time thing. We could have forgotten about it and moved on with our lives. But no, no, they're insisting... On, I think it's just a little insulting, at minimum. Because, first off, somewhat shared uh, origin in terms of, like, literally, like, the area that these religions came from. Other than location, the ancient Egyptian religion and Christianity, they don't really have that much in common. <laughs> like, Christianity is obviously an Abrahamic religion, and ancient Egyptian is polytheistic. Mm-hmm. Abrahamic religions are monotheistic religions. I uh, I did a lot of research today for specific terms so that I wasn't just going to be humming and hawing my way through this. 
<laughs> but yeah, I also wanted to know just how big of a time gap there really was between the practicing of these religions to make a sure huge this one. was. Yeah, I wanted a to know just how egregious one. this was. And as it turns out, yeah, it's it it big. It big. It's about twenty. It's about two thousand years. About twenty three hundred years. Yeah, uh, from Sounds what I remember right. reading, I'm gonna try to make sure I include the links. But from what I from what I read, the ancient Egyptian uh, what was it called? The pyramid texts were some of the texts used. Those date back to 2400 BCE. So sounds about right. So that that's a ways. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. One. They're just not that similar. <laughs> They're really not. They like insofar as they maybe involve a hell type place. <laughs> And a heaven-type place. And it's like, okay, yeah, but so do a lot of religions. And you don't see all of them just going around pretending to be the same thing. And I do not care for writers just going, okay, well, we at one point said this guy decided to play the devil. So we're just going to keep going with that. And now we're just going to say that he is, at any and all given times, just doing both. Even though this guy was a Goa'uld and was set up as an Egyptian god... Apparently, mm-hmm. he just had no problem fucking around in the background for long enough to wait for another religion to um, come around. And then, immediately knowing that this one was going to be a hit, he also picked up the mantle of the, of the devil and has no problem just taking on this other new story that has so, very little to do with his current one. I got a couple of points on this. Yeah. Um, one, uh, it was actually bef- technically before Demons that the comparison was brought up. But oh, I meant like him the, specifically uh, the, bringing yeah. up Satan is what I meant for demons. Well, no. Oh uh, shit! Never actually, mind. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Because never mind. of the fact in the episode when Sokar first appeared, when he was attacking the uh, the Lins because he wanted a Oh, that's right. They compared. Here's the thing, though. In that episode, they compared him to the devil, but did not say he posed as the devil. So that was correct. But that's because that episode was written by a good writer. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So thank you very and, much for remembering that because that makes this even better because yeah, it shows that they demons, knew originally what they were doing. Demons, or demon, I don't even remember which one it was, um, showed an intrinsic misunderstanding about time. Yeah. When it came right? As to we were talking about, like, wait, how did that cultures. work? Because of the fact that he stole Christians yeah. when there was no way gold were still on Earth by that point because the gate was buried well no because remember that remember in demons um unless daniel says it was the uh, antarctic no that's what daniel says yeah daniel says that they must have used that gate but that's when you and i went then why did he ditch it that's what we that's what you and i were talking about we talked about the timeline alone doesn't make sense for that because it was like wait who the fuck was coming back and hanging around long enough to keep picking up people and why were they using the um antarctic gate when these people were in england ish area like what? Because it would have been the only gate. <laughs> what else are you gonna use? That's what you and I were talking about. It's how it didn't really make yeah. sense because of the geography and the timeline. So yeah, that yeah. episode no, was a stretch, it's... and they should have just left it alone there. Mm-hmm. But no, 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 they, no, they decided it even to further. double down here. Uh, but my last point on this is, I understand why they did this. It's just a bad decision. They did this because they wanted to make this easier for western audiences to consume yeah, and that's why i'm heading right and back into easier insulting easier for western audience to consume if it's christian based okay but see that's just really insulting yeah it's a bad choice yeah, it's you're a not bad wrong choice. No, it's you're... a bad choice it's so, like i get what they were doing 
And I even get that, like, you know, in the 90s... I, I hate having to keep going back to the 90s, but unfortunately that is an aspect of us doing older things. Like, there was a different mindset and a different awareness. People didn't freaking know any of this stuff, you know? Dude, I, I, you've heard me. I've said many, many times it doesn't... It's not an excuse. And then the other day, two days ago, I was having a conversation with somebody online about Farscape. And they had the, what I thought was the gall at the time to call one of my favorite episodes transphobic. And I was like, hey, fuck you. He just doesn't subscribe to what you consider gender norms. And then I thought about it and I realized they do play it off as a joke. Oops. But all I remember is that my first thought was, how fucking dare you? And then my second thought was, oh shit, he might be onto something. And then my third thought was, well, it's not their fault. It was 1998, 1999. And then I went, god damn it, there I am doing it. It's like, it's, it's just, it's. We well, want like, to make I mean, them. We want to feel better about it because we like it. It's we it's know not it's not even okay. just that though. It's like yeah, it's not okay. But there, there is always you always have to consider how much of a conversation anything was. No, I, I how many know. people even knew trans people existed in the nineties? I mean, but yeah, I don't. I don't mean like they didn't know they ex- existed. But you know, it wasn't. It wasn't a conscious. You know, it wasn't a conversation. And that's not to say that any of this is an excuse. If it was trans, if it's transphobic now, it's transphobic then. Mm-hmm. If it's racist now, it's racist then. Yep. You know. Yeah. It, but you can't attack them with the same vitriol measure of yeah. I guess vitriol because there there was just a lack of awareness there. Like you can only do so much when there's no conversation happening. My my other thing too is unless something is very much obviously to me to me anyway as much as possible unless it's very obviously trying to be harmful I, I have to go with the general thing of okay well, well I like somebody to give me the benefit of the doubt here like think okay did they do this on purpose to be a shithead because they're hateful people yeah. or are they just maybe stupid because sometimes exactly. I'm just stupid yeah there there's absolutely a difference between. It being a hateful decision and it being a just stupid a, decision. an uninformed decision. As a result, we end up doing this, which is a gentle admonishment is usually what it yes, ends up exactly. doing. Yes, exactly. A, I get why you did this, but you shouldn't have. Uh, but yeah, um, so, so they say that Somak is alive, he's been sent to hell, and it's just like, it's a moon that he turned into hell or something. So on that note, speaking of, um, one thing I was going to say, we're not going to hate them too much for it, but one last thing on the inaccuracy. <laughs> the biggest thing that bugged me is the fact that they completely gloss over the fact that by appropriating Christianity here and just going for the full, yep, I'm Satan too. They completely gloss over something that I feel like a lot of Western audience people, I don't like saying that anymore because it's, there's lots of people in the Western audience who aren't Christian, so I don't like saying uh-huh. that anymore. Um, anyway. I get ya. So, for uh, I feel like there were probably some members of the Christian audience who were watching that, and for those who cared, who were watching that and going, Satan isn't a god. Satan's an angel. Satan was a fallen angel. That's a very different storyline <laughs> to, to what's going on It very on here. much is. And it's like, if but that gonna... conversation should have happened in Demons, right? to be honest. Well, and then they even go a little bit further, and so they... <laughs> He calls it like his version of hell, yeah. But then when they have the briefing, the the moon is called Netu, and Daniel compares it to an aspect of Egyptian mythology again. It's like pick your metaphor, please. I guess they wanted to give Daniel something to do. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I just because this isn't really a Daniel episode. It let's isn't. Be. No. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. This episode just Daniel does weird... like almost nothing in this episode, which isn't a complaint. You know, it's not about Daniel, but I feel like maybe it was just like, yeah, we got to get the the archaeologist to talk about something, right? <laughs> right. I just I would have liked to have the archaeologist then point out some of the interesting like this. If, if you're gonna do it, something this is actually a t- this is a perfect example of why lampshading exists. Because this is a great time for the archaeologist to go. Now, it's interesting that he has taken on the mantle of Satan, considering how Satan is nothing like Sokar. And it's yeah, interesting that, that he's be. maintaining his hell metaphor on Natu, which, as you may or may not know, cue shot changing to the rest of SG-1 with their blank expressions as they're like, you know what, let's, guess, <laughs> let's just go with the assumption that we don't know. And that's a smart-ass comment from Jack that leads back to the yeah. shot, going back to Daniel, who then continues <laughs> his exposition. It could have been pretty easy, I think. Once and again, why should have been writing for this show. Yeah, honestly, I feel like that would have been a ton better. <laughs> what was that? I said that one time where it's like, I'm sorry. I just feel like that with no experience, no discernible talent, and no equipment of my own, I f- and, and nothing to, no way to prove this, but I just feel like I could have done it better. Because <laughs> we could have. <laughs> yeah. It, that Listen, just... I'm not going to pretend I could have done it better than Robert C. Cooper or Heather Ashe. No, but <laughs> I'm just saying I could do it better than Tor Alexander yeah. Belenza or these two people. Yeah, that's yeah, it's funny. We, I, I did see in the credits that Heather E. Ashe was the story editor on that on this, and I would have liked her influence a little bit more in, in this scene. A little stronger. With having <laughs> Daniel do something along what I just said, the, those lines, because that honestly would have made way more sense. And I feel like it would have been quicker, too. Listen, she'd only done one episode by now. She probably didn't have as much influence as we would have liked. And yet these two people did? They had an episode. <laughs> huh? I mean, that, like, as a story editor, she's only done one episode in the show so far. Right. She probably wouldn't have as much influence to just take gotcha. over gotcha. someone's gotcha. script. Gotcha, cool. And now I understand what you're saying. Sorry, I misunderstood I like, the first what time. are you talking about? <laughs> I thought you were saying as if she would be the, the one chosen to write this instead of them. No. But now I understand. Hey, English is there hard. It is. English is stupid. So, yes. They are saying that, like... They're uh, saying some inaccurate too. things. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, here here's what we get from the briefing. Because there, there's a lot of stuff getting bandied back and forth, but... Thank you for saying bandied as well, because that's what I wrote in my notes, and I just like that. Amazing. Well, we are the same person. So here's what we get from Martouf. He's been taken captive. He's been, he would most likely have been sent to Natu, which is quote-unquote hell, uh, which is Sokar's prison planet. Uh, and they came here to talk to SG-1. Well, first, I do like that Jack's like, oh yeah, we can get like a, a force to, a rescue force. <laughs> and, and Martouf's like, we have to be sneaky about this. And Jack's like, we can be subtle. <laughs> Just like a, this shitty, like, hmm. <laughs> That's like me. I can be sneaky and everybody in the D&D party looks at me and goes, okay, are you talking about yourself or your character? Yeah. Because <laughs> our response is going to change. Wildly differ between the two. But the reason he came specifically to SG-1 is because of Sam and... Naturally. Sam's connection to Jolinar's memory, well, aside no, from, know. you know, <laughs> no. wanting the booty call, um, is because of her memories with Jolinar, because Jolinar is supposedly the only person to escape Netu yet, and she never told anyone how she did it. So they're hoping that they can get the memories from Sam using this little toker device that looks a lot like the, uh, yeah, the thing that uh, Ellen had, which means, it, I mean... It, Considering um, the fact that 
Hathor, they were using it where like Hathor oh, would yeah. be aware of it. I don't think it's explicitly Tok'ra technology. I think it's gold technology that the Tok'ra are using. Okay, so here's the thing. I think that as well, insofar as I think it is adapted Goa old tech that is specifically Tok'ra in origin because they designed it themselves using their communal tech. Um, but I do, th- I, I personally think it's Tok'ra just, just because of a couple tiny instances of tiny bits of dialogue that re- there's nothing hammering at home. And so I'm definitely not saying like, I'm right, you're wrong. This is just, <laughs> it's just, it's that thing where there's, there's just the two answers that are standing you. next to each other and either one I'm good with. And obviously there's no, and even some of the dialogue, there's no reason to take it seriously considering how it's Ellen lying when she's saying it. Like she's talking to them as if she's actually a scientist in SG1, uh, SGC. Yeah. You know, like the whole thing was a ruse. So who's yeah, to say sense. anything she said was the degree of truth in there is entirely up to, for debate. Um, but, but yeah, as I was mentioning to you before we started recording, it really cracked me up because when she's saying that, I would kind of bought it, but I didn't really think or care too much about it. But I guess I kind of all this time had the assumption subconsciously that it was a lie and that it was actually Goa Old Tech. Because otherwise, that means, as of this episode with freaking, not J.R. Bourne, eh, um, uh, Martouf, with Martouf's little bit of dialogue, if it is in fact Tok'ra's, the Tok'ra's, then that means that Ellen brought it to Hathor to help her no, for that, some fucking that reason. No, that definitely didn't happen. Right? <laughs> but that wouldn't make any sense. So I'm just kind of like, why no. did, then why, then that means that Hathor happened to have, if, so let's say what, what was said in the Hathor episode was true. Then that means that, that Hathor somehow had separately in her possession both Tok'ra tech and a Tok'ra spy. No, see, I think what it is, is that it is actually just gold tech. Martouf calls it Tok'ra tech because that's how they're using it now. And maybe they even adapted it slightly. Especially since, like, it's not, like, putting out the, uh... The hologram. Maybe that's thing. why he's calling it Tokra Tech because they've adapted it to not put out the hologram. Well, no, because he says that they're just not using it specifically that time. It still has it. They're just not using it for her, for her privacy at the okay. moment. Okay. Well, the reason I think he's just kind of paraphrasing is because they've already explicitly said in the Tokra part one and two that they are spies. They have to use gold tech. When I'm calling it Tokra Tech, I mean that it is the adapted tech. It was just adapted after the Tokra split off. So that's what I mean by calling it Tokra Tech. I don't think like they have their own original things they've in- invented from scratch themselves because that's not how they roll. They just take other people's things like the, like the go old do. They just adapt it for good. <laughs> I'd believe that they adapted it. It's um, just funny to me that it was in the Hathor episode. wasn't as kind, yeah, you know? Yeah, either way, I just find it a little funny because it could indicate that that meant that she br- brought, that Ellen brought it with her to Hathor, which would <laughs> be really fucking stupid and Wild. funny yeah. and ridiculous. <laughs> it's... There's nothing to say that that's 100% what happened, so, and I would love for it to be wrong, because I'd love for the show to not be saying something dumb like that. Right. They should have done a better job clarifying that with the dialogue. Oh, 100%, yeah. We've talked about, that's what's great about the comparisons between the Tok'ra and the Goa Uld, is that they're just like their brethren, they just use their powers for um, good versus evil. (laughs) For evil? You were about to say evil? (laughs) Evil versus evil. Yeah, evil versus evil. But yes, so the reason he's here... It's because he has gold, toker tech, whatever, whatever it is, uh, that he wants to put on Sam's head. And it's the same stuff they used in the uh, episode with Ellen, the toker spy. Um, Draw your own conclusions with what that means. <laughs> to pull out her memories from Jolinar, uh, to try and figure out how to get off of this planet. Uh, but they, so they, here's the thing. Here and I understand. I get again the framing of it for convenience, but they don't try 
to see if it'll work until they're already on the ship on the way to get dropped off there. Instead of seeing if it's doing anything beforehand. Because here's what should have happened. Here's the way this framing should have happened. What should have happened is, okay, we put this on you. Do you remember anything about how to get off that planet? No? Well, uh, it might jog your memory if you're actually there. But obviously that is a risk you are taking at that point. So that is a decision you have to make. But no, how they actually frame it is, we're going to head there, we're going to drop on the planet. While we're in the ship getting ready to head there, I'm going to put the thing on your head and say, hey, is it? are you getting anything from me yet? No? Well, maybe being on the planet will jog your memory. You, I, I hope what? so, because we don't have a plan B. <laughs> yeah. But yes, so they have like, a... What was their um, plan B? They didn't have one. It was die. That was plan B. <laughs> die. So they have a prison ship that has, like, these little life pods that the way prisoners get dropped on Natu is no one lands. You just drop these little life pod things from the ship down into orbit, and apparently none of your bones break. <laughs> well, yeah. So they, they did mention, Martouf has a moment, because there was a moment where I was telling Eric that I think I uh, might have stolen some of my personality from Daniel, because... <laughs> Once they reach, like, the outer planet area, the outer planet, once they reach the orbit, Daniel says, that's still a long way down. And Martouf says, you'll be going down at high velocity. And that's when I laughed. And I said, because that makes it better. <laughs> and then Daniel says, after an awkward pause, he goes, and is that supposed to make it better? Is that supposed to make, it, no. right. no, to make me feel better? I did love that little piece of dialogue. But during that time when, uh, after Daniel has his moment where he's like, okay, that doesn't help. Martouf then mentions that there's dampeners on there to slow descent. Slow descent how much? Enough, apparently. Yeah, enough. <laughs> That's their plan. And they can't send Tilk down, obviously, because A, someone's got to be on the ship. <laughs> and B, they only have four pods. And C, uh, it'd be really obvious if you send a Jaffa down. <laughs> It's one thing to send some humans down, but a Jaffa would be really freaking obvious. That's the so, thing. So, Teal'c is going to stay in the ship and orbit. Why? I feel like that's just convenience. Why Why aren't there? Because why would you want to leave someone with a larva who is going to mature in a pit of a, of a jail? That's asking for so many bad things to happen. I meant guards. Don't, don't give anyone as much power as possible. Like, there's very obviously, like, a, I just want a like limiting of line. power in the prison. Yeah. And that, that, because that, that of the makes fact sense. that they, they explicitly say later on that the warden is allowed one hand device and one staff weapon to rule the prison. Sokar is obviously very paranoid about that. No, you're completely right. I just would have liked to have had you on set that day so they could have had a throwaway line. <laughs> that would have given well, that tiny little bit. Obviously, it's to keep Teal separate so that story can happen. But it would have been yeah. nice if they'd actually had a real kind of just one line of dialogue that says, and because he's paranoid about the power structure or something. Yeah. I mean, even outside of keep him separate so storyline can happen, you gotta have someone on the outside in case things go wrong. And Teal'c seems like a very reliable, especially because he knows how to fly the ship. I would have like, voted they, Daniel there's personally. But Daniel can't fly the ship. <laughs> Teach Daniel how to fly. Because there's, there's explicitly a bit when they... um. When they're sh when Martuf is showing them the ship, where Jack is like, "Oh, can this one cloak?" and Martuf's like, "No." <laughs> and then Jack's like, "Oh, 
Tilki must have flown a higher tech one. <laughs> Just like, kind of like casually being like, we've seen cooler tech than you have, Martouf. Fuck off. <laughs> My shipper heart desperately saw as much as it possibly could in every interaction between Jack and Martouf. Um, you're right. Flying-wise, Tilk definitely makes more sense. I just, yeah. I, I would have appreciated that one extra bit of dialogue besides no, it, your yeah, good pilot. it would be nice. I mean, that's, that's our life. We would like one extra bit of dialogue here so that we're not making the inference ourselves. Or, or in last week's episode, I would just like a not this episode. Yeah, that, that one too. That also works. So, the plan is they're going to send Martouf, Jack, Daniel, Sam, down to the planet in those little life pods. Uh, basically look like coffins. And... I guess the Tilk fact there's only four stay. also explains why there has to be Tilk behind, but still. Well, yeah, that's one where it's like, well, who stays behind? Yeah, but like, still doesn't well, emphasize Tilk. So again, I want, I want that one bit. Yeah, and they're going to go down to the planet, and hopefully being on the planet will help Sam remember more things. Hopefully. And they're going to find Selmak slash Jacob and escape. It's that easy. You know, it's, <laughs> it's that simple. It's It's bad enough that this episode completely glosses over how someone can punch holes in a moon to release the molten core without, you know, destroying the planet. <laughs> um, that's not something I care to get into. So there's that. There's the fact that they specify how bad the air's supposed to be and then no one coughs. Not or... <laughs> so much as a cough the whole fucking Yeah, time. the closest they get is that um, they'll have uh, a couple of one-off liners about oh my lungs feel like they're on fire yeah. and blah 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 but you don't actually see yeah, anything that, yeah, nothing that really indicates to me you know toxins it was just it was an odd thing to bring up if you're not really especially with someone it. with terrible allergies on the team hence our joke yeah. because it's just like interesting that you just don't this don't care this whole plan is riddled with holes and it's it's more unstable than this moon should be yep yeah, it's a, it's a terrible plan. Um, Martouf tries to be like, because Jack hands Sam a weapon and is getting his own ready. And Martouf's like, we're, we're going in undercover. You, you can't have a weapon. If you get found with a weapon, they're going to know something's up. And Jack's like, yeah, uh, we're going down with weapons. <laughs> yep. No, Jack's personality in this goes back to the way it should have been last week. It goes back to normal this week. Everybody kind of regains yes. their intelligence this week. Hooray! And they regain their ability to be the proper amount of snarky in the right amount, of, in the in the right time, and in the right place. And I don't know. Jack was just fucking useless last episode, and it made no sense. And here, it's like, oh, that's right. You have a brain. Jack didn't know what amnesia was last episode. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this week, it's like he's not breathing in Dargle, and all of a sudden has two brain cells to rub together. Weird, huh? But yeah, I I actually kind of appreciated this like obvious contrast between how a spy makes plans for a mission and how a black ops soldier makes plans for a mission jack's like no we can do undercover but we're going in with weapons <laughs> I, I gotta say the undercover thing was a stupid plan from like literally its inception just in the concept of they show up and pretend to be in charge or something like they're acting like they're not prisoners nothing about it made sense yeah i it's extremely Sam not makes fleshed some out. Really bad assumptions. Yeah, it's extremely um, not fleshed out to the point where I remember as a kid being exceptionally confused why she thinks this is going to go well. It, it doesn't make I sense. I, I, I can't even put it. The into only words. explanation is she never did black ops and she was never a spy, but she still has common sense. You escape 
escaped, which means you ran away, which means he's probably upset with you. Which means he's probably not your biggest fan. You'd think. I I guess as a kid. Or you would think, but Sam did not think. I I guess as a kid, I didn't know understand the concept of feminine wiles and i'm guessing i still don't because i still because i just really just don't still um as a as a whole you think and sam understands the concept of feminine wiles? i have noticed that tv heavily relies on this concept that guys no matter where they lie on the intelligence spectrum see a, a chick and she can and be anywhere on the moderately attractive to beautiful spectrum <laughs> she could be anywhere along that and it doesn't matter it's like they see tits and apparently that's that's all she wrote. They lose their mind. Right. It's 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 dumb. It's poison ivy level dumb. It it doesn't make sense and it never made sense and it it doesn't make sense here. That's why my no. brain keeps breaking. That's why I keep losing words is cuz every time I'm talking about a topic that's just like there aren't any words. It's just why? Why did you do it yeah, this that's... way? Why what was your plan? Cuz it doesn't make sense. And also, you never even really say what the plan is. See, that's the that's the issue with this episode. It's not like it's it's not like last step episode. It's not like God, what what the fuck, you know? Yeah. But there's just so many weak points to it. Yeah, just, and it's like where weird you didn't stuff. you didn't sit and think for two seconds about this, you know? And that's just why I'm like kind of like annoyed with Heather E. Ash as the story editor. I'm like, is this the polished product? Because what was it like before? Again, I don't know how much um, effect she yeah. could have had on it, especially uh, for an episode that was apparently quite expensive. <laughs> I want to be mad at this episode because of how confusing it kind of just is by all of its weird little eccentricities, and yet I can't even get to mad because I'm just confused over yeah. all the things they don't bother to explain. Listen, we, we just have to look forward to the fact that it's going to get wrapped up by Robert C. Cooper. Yay! They were so, so eager for it, they were crediting actors things. in this episode that aren't even in this part. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to give away the twist, but they give away um, the kid who's going to play Charlie in the next episode. Well, but yes. So, um, while they're planning... Oh, there, there was a fun part where um, when Martouf was introducing Sam to the technology again. <laughs> a, I love that he's like, yeah, we're going to hide this. And it's like, Sam's hair is not long enough to hide this, my man. Um, I did notice they tried to mullet it a bit more for this episode <laughs> to yeah. try to compensate. And after he put it behind her ear, she like tried to flatten her hair down right there. <laughs> this is why you. This is why you make the plan before you leave, because then somebody on SG One or someone in SGC could have gone, "Oh, cool, best go get some hair extensions real quick." Right, something. Um, but he has her try it out, and she gets a memory of. Um, of I guess the 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 day that Jacob came home to tell her about her mom, they do a pretty good job of casting young Sam yeah. in this. It's very brief, she, but she she, she actually Sam. she has a slight resemblance to somebody I knew as a child, uh, uh, and it, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it, it brought to life some trauma. She would lose her mind over everything, and one time she lost a sock, so she went and found me, and she tried to claw my face off. It was fun. Oh my god. Yeah, I have a, I've, shown, I've shown you the scar from it, actually, that one right here. That's from her. <laughs> nice. Um, anywho. Yeah, so they have they have that memory, and then Martouf tries to get her, to coach her to get a Joel in her memory, and I love how unsubtle this man is, that he purposefully prompts to give her a romantic moment between the two of them. Is it ever romantic to anyone ever this concept that writers have where they have the guy who's 
trying to be the romantic interest for the female lead, and he's using his dead girlfriend as his method. Like, I've never uh-huh. understood this trope, and I definitely don't understand its use here, considering how everybody's aware of the fact that Jolinar wasn't in Sam's mind by choice. Yeah. Um, he does actually at least, they do at least have him apologize to her later and say, like, I know that stuff makes you uncomfortable, so he at least acknowledges it. Well, he shouldn't have prompted her with something he knew was romantic in the first place, though. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yep. I, I love Martouf, so it always hurts me extra whenever he's, like, weird. And, when like, you gotta criticize when I have him to, like When this. I'm like, dude, why are you being weird like this? Why, why you gotta be like that, man? Why you gotta be weird? Why you gotta make it weird? <laughs> yeah, so, so they know it works, but she's still not getting anything for the planet, and that's when Martouf does the whole, well, maybe when you're down there, it'll jog your memory better. So, they get sent down. Sure is lucky that it did. Yeah, right? Yeah, so they get sent down, they quickly reunite, the backdrop is terrible. Whew! Yeah, oh my yeah, Lord. that lava, that light effect. That looked like a third grader's art project. <laughs> I told you, it reminded me of my high school plays. It just, it, oof. Ooh, it was bad. Ooh, bad. And they kind of just walk in. They're already, you're right, like, they do kind of act like they're already, because like, it's Jack's, like, casual flippancy. It's just like, hey, what's up? Like, you know, just walking into the prison and everything. Yeah. Which the trivia does point out that they fuck up because they're wearing their um their Stargate command patches, which was uh, not part of the plan. <laughs> they were supposed to be non-identifying, I think, but they're still Oopsie. wearing their, their patches, even though they've ripped off all their other ones. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where it ends on helpful information for me, goofs or otherwise, because this there's nothing that tells me why they think this reception's gonna be anything different. Like, I just, I, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. I don't know, man. What was the plan? What were they expecting? Why are they oh. ever surprised that they're, al- how are they alive? <laughs> Magic plot armor. Um, there is one other small detail. They do have a communication device between them and Teal'c. Yes. Um, so they can talk to him up in the ship. Sure is nice so, that this yeah. prison just lets the prisoners walk in without any strip searching or anything, so that way this shit can happen. Like, I know maybe right? they're supposed to be deposited well, they just by- get dropped down. Yeah, they were supposed <laughs> to be deposited by, like, the right people. You know what- You know what this prison is, but, like, not as good? The one from Pitch Black? Not Pitch Black, uh, yeah. Chronicles of Riddick? Yeah, it's the Chronicles of Riddick, uh, Butch- Butcher Bay? Is it Butcher Bay? I don't know. It's too- It sounds too similar to Botany Bay for me to be able to remember. Because <laughs> now I don't know if I'm compla- conflating or I'm not. I'm gonna look this up now. If it is Butcher Bay, I wonder if that was supposed to be a play on Australia now, actually. It's Butcher Bay. I wonder if that was a play. Huh. I don't know, man. But it is, but I was, I'm huh. so proud I remember no, that's that. Great. Go me. Yeah, I saw that. Hell yeah. I didn't even watch these movies. I haven't seen Pitch Black since I was like 12. I love all of them. Claudia Black dies in it, so therefore when I was a kid, I was like, well, fuck this movie. Um, uh, it is upsetting. Yeah. But she did be real dumb. <laughs> well, it's not Claudia's fault that Shaza was dumb. Anyway. No. Um, I know. But No, I agree with you. It was upsetting to see it happen. Yeah. I wasn't happy either. Plus, it's such a bitch way um, to go, man. They're all good movies, though. All three of them. Yeah, but I need to, I need to rewatch ways. that, because I wish, I wish I had known as a kid, if Butcher's Bay is a play on that, that would have that been cool to react to the first time I heard it. We, we, need to, we need to do a day where we watch all three. Honestly, I don't have any excuse, because I definitely had already seen Wrath of Khan by then, so I definitely already knew the history of Botany Bay. 
The real history, not, not just the Wrath of Khan one. <laughs> We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we get to end with, Cl- with Katie Sackhoff, too. I'm happy. Oh, God. Oh, doll. Let me tell you something <sighs> real quiet, like. God, shut up. <laughs> Love her. When a woman is too attractive. God, seriously. Jesus. She was How literally she? so hot that I I thought the TV screen was going to melt. That out, the, the harness that she wore. <laughs> Their chemistry was insane. Yeah, it was so... Mm, Jesus. So yeah, let's do that someday. That'd be oh, fun. God. So yeah, they all get dropped down to this planet. And they're just being weird from the beginning. They're calling way too much attention to themselves. And the moment um, they walk into, like, the main room with, like, the platform that you were talking about, Sam gets a memory flash. And, oh, she she actually did before this get a uh, brief um, memory of a guy, uh, a heavyset guy who was bald and had glowing gold eyes. But she couldn't remember who he was. She just attached him to Neitu. But she didn't know who he was. Now that she's in this room with this platform, she suddenly remembers who it is and she shouts his name. The convenience fairy strikes again. Yeah. And then she, she claims, we've come to see Binar. And uh, this, the Binar's second, the quote-unquote Jaffa, because he's got a helmet that covers his face entirely and he's carrying a staff weapon, so sure, he must be a Jaffa. Is like, who are you? You know, and just like, you know, you know, the typical back and forth between gold and prisoners. Yeah. The wording doesn't matter. It's it's the same every time. And they did they did weird things here in the trivia. I don't know if that I the episode I remember seeing Dion Johnston's I've never seen John Stone before. I've seen John Sin, but not John Stone, so the name keeps messing with me. But Dion John Stone, Johnston, I guess, uh, he played Captain um, Nelson in Rules of Engagement, and I did see his name flash up on screen. So I I knew the trivia wasn't full of shit when it said that he was in this, supposedly, Hmm. because... According to the screen, it agreed. But it must it must have been a false flag thing then. Well, there's also, and this has been done before, I couldn't name anything specifically, but I know it has been done. Maybe up until that last scene where the helmet is taken off. Right. He was playing. Yeah, that's what I was saying to you earlier, is I was thinking, unless it's, yeah. so it's either one of two that things. That way they're hoping that, like, no one recognizes the voice. The only thing I can think of is, is that it actually was him on set yeah. up until That's the moment of sense. the reveal and then that was filmed with peter williams but it's just funny that they had this guy come back just for that just for that and it's like if that it's it's an interesting way to keep to the false flag operation if that's what the way they did it yeah it was an interesting choice and i just the trivia it was annoying to me because like i i didn't read it first so much as during and i was very confused because it's like neonac wasn't that the but isn't <laughs> i'm sure why is it credited as this uh, Wait, so did he actually play it? Because the trivia just says that he played somebody else. I'm like, that's great. But now I'm thinking that he's actually there. <laughs> it threw me yeah, for a loop so for far too long. This Jaffa guard is like yelling at them and threatening them. And when he starts to, he says something like banish them to the surface, which I guess is again, like Butcher Bay, you'll fucking die. I'm guessing that's an option then that, that, that supposedly there were doors or something they came through to get down here. <laughs> They don't say. They don't explain they don't anything. Say. Why? This is a two-part episode. This sh- the first part don't should have been say. set up, and then the second part should have been the rest. Yeah. Well, it's not. Well, it's not. Um, but when they try and, like, when the guy starts to approach him and everything, Jack's like, I don't know, and pulls out his gun. 
immediately gets blasted away by a hand weapon. Sam pulls out hers um, and shoots one guy, but it doesn't even stop him. I love that Daniel makes no move to pull out a weapon. <laughs> I also like how that guy wasn't even phased by a bullet. Well, he got shot in the shoulder, which in uh, movie and TV terms is nothing. It's either fatal or nothing, depending on the situation. Yeah, it depends. Uh, so they all get held down and, and captured and everything. And the guy who is Binar comes out and he's a little, he looks a little different now. He's uh, got a terrible, ugly Something in scar the over one eye. That looks like and it's oozing orangey yellow yeah. shit, which is not. It's like, how fresh is this? What the I'm guessing that's supposed to be implying that he's oozing, like, okay, it's either pus or it's vitreous fluid, which, that was only a second desperate grasp, because I'm like, that's not what pus looks like. No, That also is far too much fluid from an eyeball. Yeah, it's one, another example of somebody thinking something looked cool, and then that was the end of their thought pattern on it here. Um, and Sam identifies herself as the host of Jolinar. And the guy responds by taking their weapons and throwing them into this place's version of solitary confinement, which isn't actually solitary, but it's the pit. The irony of calling the place that's supposedly hell the pit is just... (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, uh, thanks to plot convenience, when they get thrown into the pit, Jacob's in there. How else were they supposed to find him on a whole planet? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Sure is nice that an entire moon... I know we've been using that interchangeably with planet. Either way, this is a planetary body. They big. Yep. Well, it's it's a moon, not a planet. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. still but big. It's a, it's a big-ass penal colony, at least. Yep. Yeah, it was wild that they thought they'd be able to find him. It's just plot convenience that they actually were able to find him. <laughs> just because everything has so, always worked out for you guys doesn't mean you shouldn't plan for eventually the day where it doesn't. So they are in the pit now, and Sam does her job as the host, the previous host of Jolinar, and gives us some prose narrative where she talks about... That's not the word I wanted. What did I want? Exposition. Exposition. That's the word I wanted. I liked prose. I meant, like, I I had a word and then I couldn't think of it. So I was like, narrative. But it's not really narrative. She she orates. Whatever. It's exposition. That's the word I wanted was exposition. Sam gives exposition because she's the host of Jolinar and she's got the memories of this place now. Suddenly, she just broke through. She's got it. Just in time. And she says that... As Sokar's appointed leader of this hell, uh, Binar is permitted one hand device and one staff weapon for his first prime, which is why they had those two weapons that SG-1 got pinned down with. And she also tells them that she's pretty sure that Binar helped Jolinar escape the first time. And when she, when Jack asks her why, she doesn't want to say. <laughs> and then Martouf obviously gets it, and she feels like she has to apologize for something Jolinar, a spy, did in a different body with her own willpower to get out of a bad situation. And I hate this. <laughs> First off, this should have been something that Jolinar had to do just, you know, quite often. Quite probably, often. This should have been something that probably happened fairly regularly in this trophy yeah. verse that we live in, where anytime a spy needs to get out of something, spread them. Just gotta the spread them legs, you know? That's all you gotta do. You know, if it works on James Bond, it must work on everybody. I was literally thinking about James Bond. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of James Bond, what if J.R. Bourne was the next James Bond? I am okay with this. 
right? <laughs> I just thought of that. I'm like, I wouldn't mind seeing him as James Bond. <laughs> I still want Idris Elba. I, just, <laughs> no I, I still just want Idris eyes. Elba. <laughs> yeah, no, that's obviously the dream. Right? Oh, God, he's amazing. I still need to see um, the, the movie that he's, the, the Fast and the Furious spinoff movie he's in, where he's the... It is so bad. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. It's but so I bad. But I want to see him. <laughs> no, he's not even good in it. It's so bad. He has, like, literally three lines that are not shitty, and they're in the trailer. Just watch the trailer. It's so all the so good parts are in the trailer. Long. Literally all the good parts are in the trailer. It doesn't know when to end. The movie's like three and a half hours. It's so oh, no. long. Oh, no. That scene where the rock is holding down a helicopter with just his muscles in a, in a chain. Um, uh-huh. That doesn't happen until the very fucking end. And there is honestly just just piles of shit you can scoop out between. Honestly, if you wanted to take, like, half the movie be in England and half the movie be in Samoa, great. But instead, they hip, they, they hopscotch all across fucking England and a couple other places a million fucking times for no reason. I think it's just to emphasize that Vanessa Kirby's in it. I don't know. And then they oh, eventually hop their way over to Samoa, Samoa just to kind of uh, finish the movie. It's, it's, it's... All right, I'll take your word for it. I don't know, maybe one time we can just get really drunk and watch it. Yeah, that, that'll work. Yeah, there we go. We'll just get really drunk and watch it. I'll see if there's a really bad drinking game for there it. There we go. That movie felt longer than the runway at the end of the Fast and Furious movie that anybody who's oh, seen damn. it knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> You've shown me that scene, so yeah. I've... <laughs> what was it like? Eric did the math once. It's like a 21-something mile long runway. Oh my lord. Um, so yeah, so after she apologizes for something she doesn't need to apologize for, yeah, this Jacob's sh- here. This should have been his bread and butter. This should have been Spy 101. Get laid, yeah. get free. Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. <laughs> it clearly was for Jolinar. She seemed, like, natural. <laughs> she was just like, yeah, obviously I'm gonna do this. I'm a spy. I'm in prison. Ha- this is how I get out. And, and again, they should have done anything better with the storyline. They should have talked, explored that more and been like, okay, either this is something she's really good at, like she's, she, this is not something she has any problem doing with because, and that would be a great way to explore her character that way, or it'd be something that points out just how freaking desperate she was, that this looked like something that she had no problem doing because it was just that bad being there. Whereas instead, the insinuation here is that the reason she never told anyone how she was able to get out of this prison planet is because she didn't want to hurt Martu's sensitive little feelings. Her boyfriend would have been upset. Yeah. It's good to know that all women in the end value their boyfriends <sighs> over their careers or, you know, the mm-hmm. fate of the galaxy. Or their lives. <laughs> but yeah, so Jacob is here and I do like this exchange a little bit where he, when he, when Sam runs over to him, he looks at her and he goes, am I dreaming? And she's like, no, we're real. And he's like, are you crazy? <laughs> Jack's, Jack's response. Like, apparently. Uh, apparently. <laughs> That's such a you answer. <laughs> uh, so apparently Selmak is dying and Martuth has um, a bottle of eye drops that Jacob drinks <laughs> and he's better now. <laughs> Again, so many things they just don't bother to explain. I'm like, oh, cool, is that magic snake healing juice? I mean, what right? is Right, what is it? <laughs> Like, clearly... I do, like... Clearly, Selmak slash Jacob knows what it is, because he goes, cool, thanks, and drinks it. Yeah. And no one even questions it. I do it. like that, uh, that Jack calls Martouf Marty <laughs> in this scene. I did not like that. That way, that made me unhappy. That is not a nickname that I would, I would ever call that man. <laughs> That's because it's Marty McFly. That's exactly. the only Marty there is. Yeah. Yeah. And Marty McFly will always be... 
Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah, Martuf. <sighs> I mean, honestly, Martuf is as much a Marty as Eric Stoltz was. Yeah, God. Hey, I love I've Eric Stoltz, seen... but he would not have been a good But spot. he's not Marty McFly. No, I, I genuinely, I, I want on record, I was making a joke about the funniness of the, of the situation, not his acting skills, because I no, actually no, no. God, no. really like him. It's just that it's just that he is Marty McFly, right? <laughs> Michael J. Fox is Marty McFly. There's just all right. Let's so um yeah. Th- they found Jacob. They've given him the magic eye drops to heal him. Uh, now they're trying to figure out how they're gonna get out. Oh, it's not. It hasn't totally healed him. He has to get out to get totally healed. Uh, we cut to Teal'c, just kind of doing his Teal'c thing, floating around the planet. Yeah, just kind of reminding us that Teal'c's there. Doing the thing that Teal'c is always doing when the writers don't care. He's just around. Oh, actually, no, there is a point to this. We see the transport beam uh, from Netu to Sokar's ship, which is a plot point for later on in this episode. So it's, it is an important shot. <laughs> yeah, Teal'c gets to be important for his eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. For him seeing a thing. Dude, last week he was there to be that guy with the, who, like, holds back somebody and... And reacts to a couple things, and now he's here to be the eyeballs. It's, it's beautiful. That's because last week's episode was horrid. This um, is just some true utilization. Actually, of I'm gonna give this this scene credit for being a pretty good transition. Okay. Because we went from the team to another member of the team, Teal'c, witnessing the transport rings, to seeing the guy who just took the transport rings up. That's actually a pretty nice transition. You know what? You're right. Because usually when there's these little itty-bitty scenes, we're usually just like, guys, this was not necessary. This didn't need to be here. But I actually really appreciate this. I'm going to credit I'm gonna credit Deloise for this. I want this episode to be better. <laughs> and <laughs> It's not terrible. And I'm always thing. happy just... to credit Deloise for anything. So. But yeah, so uh, Bynar has come to, come to talk to Sokar. And he's basically like, hey, dude, thanks for bringing Jolinar to me so I can punish her for pissing me off from before. And Sokar's like, what What are you talking about? I did not send you Jelinar. <laughs> and Spina's like, but but she's on the planet now. And he's like, okay, then she are. She are. She are. <laughs> the tall she are. And Sokar's like, well, I didn't send her. So her and the others are intruders. Figure out what they want and then kill them. Sure is nice that Sokar seems to have something against those little uh, TV balls they use to talk usually. Yeah. And so he sends him away. And we get a little last scene with Sokar talking to another uh, minion. And he's basically like, if they're not here officially, someone dropped them there who is not with us. So there's probably a ship still nearby. Find them and destroy them. And we've set up more stakes <laughs> at that point. It's it's the dramatic irony where the viewers know Teal'c's about to be in danger and Teal'c doesn't. <laughs> so uh, Martouf is jacob's got the information about sokar's fleets and his plans on the system lords um and martuf wants to relay that information to the tokra and so he uh they're trying to get a hold of teal'c and i do like that so jack calls teal'c and jack, uh teal'c's first lines are o'neill it is i <laughs> He doesn't get much to do, but he he still steals the screen every second. I just love how happy it makes you, cause I and I can always tell because all I get from you in the text is "It is I." It is I. <laughs> I did just send "It is I." It was delightful to me. It's because he's delightful. So they're basically updating him about the situation and giving him the information to send to the Tokra. Uh, meanwhile, 
Sam is going to be brought to talk to Bynar. I love how they've even had an episode in a prison where they have definitely brought up the concept of, you know, women in prisons. And they've totally forgotten about it now. Not even... <laughs> Not even a nope. hint of it. Like, it doesn't even seem to be on anyone's mind why she's being brought into the warden's office. Like, let's say it's, let's say they didn't know that she'd had a prior After connection. After Sam has already told yeah, them right. But what it, it, it would have been bad enough if they hadn't had a prior connection. That would have been an immediate, like, well, we all know why he's calling her. Let's not let this happen. Then you add the fact that they, that she knows that there is a background there. Yep. That, it's bad. That just is bad. In, immediately derails any and all logic. And yet they're just kind of like, yeah, this is cool. Joel and I was a chick. Sam's a chick. Prisons are fine. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sam gets brought to Bynar and he asks how she knows about Jolinar, since he can tell that she does not have a symbiote in her. And she's like, Well, I was the host for her. And he's like, Yeah, that makes sense. Jolinar would have died. On the surface. Again, they mentioned the surface of this planet. Like, we're supposed to know what that really means. Um, other than the fact that we saw lava on that. that, that uh, something. Give us something about what the surface for this planet means. Also, I, I, I have to mention this once again. Supposedly, holes of what can only be a massive size have been punched into the moon to reach the core according to the dialogue anyway because the exact stupid words that were uttered were to release the molten core and yet there's uh -huh. an intact cave system of some sort functioning as a yeah, penal somehow. colony yeah so he's like yeah that makes sense you know she would rather die than come back here to see me and at this point sam has figured it out she's like oh because she betrayed you no fucking and duh yeah. Maybe she thought on, this guy Sam. was an ally for some reason, but there's nothing to indicate it. No, there isn't. Just, ugh. Uh, and then he points at his eye and says, yeah, Sokar took, did this to me after she escaped as punishment. I'm sorry, I had to yawn there. Here's what kills me. Just because the snakes take over the autonomous functions and everything of a host body, I, I, I love that they're still beholden to all the same pitfalls as the body. So as soon as they uh -huh. take control, they're now they now have wild boners that can alter their judgment skills and so forth. Apparently. It's like these these aren't actually humans. These are aliens. So it's just really yep. funny that Sokar had to take out this guy's eye because he couldn't keep it in his pants. What, you think aliens don't fuck? I think they do fuck. I just think it's really funny that they <laughs> fuck on the same exact scale, level, and ease as he, yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so he's, he's, he points at his eye and he's like, yeah, this this is because of her. I got punished for this. Um, and he's like, where is she now? And Sam's like, she's dead. Do you know how she escaped? No. And then he's like, why did you come here? Why does she answer his question? Why why does this scene happen the way it happens? I Because I, these writers aren't great. It doesn't, it just, nothing really makes sense. It's just so much confusion. But yeah, anyway. And then we cut back to the pit where Jacob is telling them about a little bit about how things happen down here, about how Bynar is, you know, the one who manages things down here. He reports to Sokar regularly. Luckily in person. By going up to see Sokar. And apparently, no, sorry, I said ship. He goes to the planet because this is a moon. So Sokar's on the planet. Yeah. The moon is orbiting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he goes to the planet to report to Sokar. 
<laughs> and the scene cuts with Daniel asking, you know, how he gets there. And then we cut back to Sam, which I will, again, once again, I have to, because we're like so met or like annoyed by most of this episode, I want to give this scene credit again for transitions because they're, they're communicating the information between two sources and they're actually finding good places to cut between them. Yeah, it feels kind of almost, this is not a great comparison, but it almost kind of feels like a graphic novel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get where you're coming from there. But it's like really well, like they're cut, they're cutting at good points, which again, Deloise knows where to cut, you know, in a much less rapid way. It's making me think of the first episode that Sokar appeared in, the one where Apophis died, how they had those cuts between the funeral and the attack on the lens. Did, did uh, Deloise do that one too? I'm pretty sure. Love it. I'm pretty sure it was him. Love it. Hang on, I can check. I have the, I have the page up. Um, well, if I could remember what episode that was. Do you remember what episode that was? <laughs> what episode was it that Apophis died in? Serpent Song. Serpent Song. Serpent Song. Okay. Thank you. I genuinely couldn't remember. S yeah, Deloise. Awesome. Yeah, I was right. I thought it was. I thought it was Deloise, but I was like, I don't want to say this on record and be wrong. <laughs> But yeah, it was Deloise. So yeah, he's he's really good at figuring out where to transition between scenes. And he does a good job of this here. Dial the Gate on YouTube interviewed him. Um, I need to watch it. I haven't watched it yet for some freaking reason. Um, but I need, I need to watch it. And I need to get some insight into his stuff so that next time we're watching an episode by him, I can be like, hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's more conversation between Sam and Bynar where he's like, did you think I helped her escape? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, why would you think that? And she's like, because you loved her. And he's like, no i didn't and she's like well then why week. are you so angry about this why are you so angry she left and he's like because i wanted revenge duh <laughs> never mind take it back sg1 has not regained their intelligence <laughs> no and then she looks at the star pendant on his neck and figures and then gets another memory of Jolinar stealing that from him while he sleeps and using it to um, activate transport rings that are in his room. Po and post she knows now, Yeah, while he slept. Um, so she knows now exactly how Jolinar got out. She took the necklace off of him, went to where it was in the room. She knows where that is, knows how to do the rings. So she knows now. And she he's about to, you know, kill her. Because he's like, well, I'm gonna get my revenge on you at least, which doesn't make any sense. She's, d <laughs> it's not even the body Jolinar was in when when she did this to you. There's no comparison whatsoever. I mean, to be fair, in the in the in the concept of bad guy, just you know, easy has an easy scapegoat kind of thing. You know, I can't kill her. I can't kill the host. You'll do kind of thing. Yeah, he does say I won't get the same satisfaction, yeah. but so like that one's the least problematic moment for me, yeah. honestly, in a in a series of problematic moments. But yeah, so he's gonna try and kill her, but the Jaffa um suddenly appears and shoots him. The first Prime, who supposedly played by by Nelson from Rules of Engagement. Yes. Um, and she gets brought back to the pit and. Um, she's like, hey, I know how she got out. There's transportation rings in Binar's quarters. And thanks to the information they just got from Jacob in the scene that we got of those great transitions, they're like, oh, that must lead to Sokar's palace. And then they figure out from there. So she got there. She snuck out. She found a, a transport ship to sneak out on. And that's how she got out. They figured it out. They have the solution. 
Um, and they're like, okay, well, it'd be much harder for us to sneak around his palace. There's a whole bunch of us. And Jacob tries to be like, you know, oh, you should leave me here. I'm like, no, I love you're Jack. literally why we came here. Jack's just, that would kind of defeat the point. Yeah. <laughs> that would literally defeat the purpose of everything. Yes, exactly. Good for you, Jack. And Sam also tells them about the first prime killing um, Binar. Dude, okay, this is where I started to like things again because the directing slash acting was just perfect. Because for just a couple of moments here in this scene in the cell, the pit, uh, Jack and Daniel just do their normal awesome playing off each other or just being perfect together because they both go what at the same time when she says that and daniel you know immediately is just launching not launching but just goes slides right into why and then they again just keep reacting in sync yeah to all the shit that's going they're down. great with their in sync stuff man i love, I love any time they do that my favorite time is still the one um i can't remember which episode it is anymore but it's the one where they say the same thing but at a slightly different rate. Because they usually say it exactly in tandem. Because it's usually something pretty short. Like what or whatever. But this was like a whole phrase. And they still say it. They still say it at the same time. But like one of them starts like a half a second before the other. But they're still saying the exact same thing. And it's just like. It's so perfect. They're always perfect. And I love seeing any and all versions of it. When it's completely synced. When yeah. it's off because of whatever reason that makes it funny. Like whatever it is. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's, it's a delight every time. So they figure out that they're. Oh. So uh, Jack's like. Well if, if the prison's going to riot with that knowledge. This could be our best chance to escape. And I'm like. Yeah. But we can't go to Sokar's palace. There's a whole bunch of us. That'll be really obvious. And they figure out that. Um. The ship that Teal'c is on can also get transport rings. And <laughs> if they find the magical geometrical point in space for him to position his ship, he could intercept the beaming between the... <laughs> what did I text you? I can't remember. Um, You're like, it sounds cool, but the math is insane. <laughs> yeah, it's basically that. But one sec. Here we go. The concept of intercepting a matter stream sounds cool for about a millisecond until you think about it and what the math is involved. Yeah. Oh, God. So, and and Martuf even says, like, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, Martuf gives us a little um, bumper where he's like, well, you know, there are sensors on the ship that should be able to help him find where he needs to be. It's like, yeah, okay. Space is big. Yep. No. It would help that Tilk saw where it was going before. He had a general, he knows the general idea direction. of yeah. of a of one planetary object in orbit of another planetary object. Shit well, moved, see, no, he that's moved where, stuff. No. That's where he uses his eyes to get to that general area and then the ship does the pinpointing. I'm not saying it works, but it's the best we're going to get. Uh so they have Daniel calling Tilk to basically tell him what they need him to do and while daniel is talking to teal some guards some people come up um and ask him what he's doing and i love daniel in this moment because he's just like i'm calling a friend basically he doesn't say call your friend but he's like i'm i'm making a call i would have been an asshole and been like i don't know et phone home fuck off i just love that he just doesn't even try and hide it he's like i'm making a call fuck off <laughs> It's that casual, like, I don't care about what you want from me, Daniel presentation. It's great. Dude, it's my wife. I don't wife give a shit about your opinion. 
My life is hard, okay? My wife died, my rebound was a is now a lobotomized former mass murderer. My life is hard, okay? I'm making a call. Yeah, exactly. I'm making a call. <laughs> so, uh, Jack and Mark too for, like, keeping, and, and Sam are all, like, keeping everyone off while Chan- Daniel's trying to get the call through. And, uh, meanwhile, while he's talking, Daniel Teal'c is being shot at by this ship that Sokar sent to kill him. Points for Teal'c because his multitasking skills over the next couple of minutes are... Yeah, he's, like, maintaining a phone call and flying with the dumb little globe <laughs> steering ball. I can't see um, well on a on a regular day, much less under that sort of high-pressure situation. Right? Would just been he- I, I think been hearing podcasts are a perfect uh, <laughs> encapsulation of our ability to speak coherently. Uh, but yeah, and I, I do like that he never tells anyone he's being shot at. <laughs> That's right, he never actually does mention that, does he? No, he's just like, I copy, and then he's like, dodging shots. <laughs> but so they are all trying to get to Binar's uh, quarters to, because, you know, there's a there's a riot breaking out. This is the best time to try and break into a place you're not supposed to be. Uh, but they get there, and they get to his body, and the ring, the key, is not there on him anymore. Shock. And Martus like, well, where was the trigger point? And Sam points at where it was, and he breaks it open with, like, an axe. <laughs> yeah, their, their weird shovel weapon things are interesting. And then he tosses, he one-hand tosses the axe thing to Jack, who just one-hand catches it. <laughs> so things get so briefly this- sexy for a moment for me, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I took a moment to rewind for my, uh, just, you know, for a friend. And it was... Yeah, just for a friend. But it's so that Jack can guard the door and try and keep the people from getting in while Martouf basically hacks the um, the ring controls. Um, so they're basically on a, a, a timer where Jack's got to keep people out of the room while Martouf hacks. And Daniel keeps trying to get a hold of Teal to confirm that he's in the right location. But Teal is trying not to get killed by ships firing at him. And it's just basically this whole collision of like, you know... Everybody's tension. on a time limit. Yeah, tension. It's actually pretty well formatted tension, aside from the fact that the guys trying to bust their way in the doors are barely knocking on the doors. <laughs> yeah. What kills me is this tells me that the writers couldn't figure out how to make this ending have the right amount of tension. They couldn't figure out what that element needed to be, so that's when they discovered that they needed to have Binar get randomly shot and for not apophis to throw them back into the throw sam back into the pit just for a moment it's just to just give just to make this arbitrary yeah, timeline in the background her back? <laughs> it's just to start this timer because if he had yeah if, it is because otherwise it would have had the reveal right there and i think that's what the plan was originally honestly was to have the reveal right there and then they realized they still had like seven minutes left yeah. of an episode well i think that's when they realized what the budget was gonna have to be for the episode because remember originally it wasn't the idea apparently to have it be oh, a two-parter yeah. that was the production that's staff's true. idea according to the trivia anyway so if that's true i could totally see the original ending being something along the lines of that earlier scene whatever happens in the second one yeah and then they're like oops now it's a two-parter okay so instead of this reveal happening here he's just gonna leave the mask on and then i guess just quietly escort her back to the cell and then i guess goes off and does something in the meantime yeah why not why not it's just it's really weird that if you think about it, it, it's, weird. It, it, that only happens in that way just so there can be the timer of the riot in the background. But yeah, so they they still can't get 
Teal'c on the horn. Um, Martuth has just triggered the last hack on the the rings, um, but they're just a little too slow. And the first prime has broken in and everyone's being held down and everything. And then the first prime removes his helmet and he's been calling himself Naonak. Yeah, so first there's that guy from earlier who was a guy who said where they were and like who the lords were of the place. He's the guy who plays Syncophant here. He does a really crappy delivery of, this is Naonak, the leader of- Naonak. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then- he well, says, kneel before yeah. Naonak. And then Naonak- uh, says, you shall call me Naonak no longer. From this day forth, I will reclaim my real name. And then he pulls his helmet off and, hey, it's Apophis, but he's a cyborg now. What? <laughs> he's got a half metal face. Sorry, that's Ruby, because if you watch Farscape like me, my first thought was he looks just like Stark, who has, because he has yeah, the half metal face. Yeah. So... We've already, I don't want to take too much time on this, because yeah. we already spent a whole episode talking about the logistics of, so when they sent dead Apophis through to Sokar, they're like, well, at least he's dead, you know, Sokar can't do anything to him, and they're like, yeah, Sokar has a sarcophagus, except you and I both went, there's no fucking way you can resurrect someone who the snake and the host are both dead. What does that, what does that mean? It's one thing to heal the, the, the host body. It's another to completely resurrect a larva gold symbiote in a person. That doesn't make any sense, especially if they were both dead for a decent amount of time. Like, we're not going to get into, like, the conversation on uh, wh what is a soul, where is it kept, blah, 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 blah. But all I can think is that he had to do some fucking human transmutation to talk to Truth on the other side of the gate and ask where Apophis's soul back. Because it doesn't make any sense that Apophis is here. Yeah. I did actually, I was, that's why I was making my little hand movements, is I actually had it bookmarked. Thank God I actually did bookmarking. For a moment I was worried I hadn't. I, I gave in after our most recent conversation that was everything that you just said. After yeah. that most recent version of that, I eventually, I just gave in and I looked up, what can the sarcophagus heal? And seeing as how it's based on ancient healing devices, it can do freshly dead, can't do extensive brain damage repair, and that's the end of it, because they never bothered to put parameters on it. So according to them, it can bring back both a freshly dead human and a freshly dead gold, regardless of how dumb that means. count as? In this case, probably about 24 hours. It's probably the usual breakdown shit for stuff. Like, extensive brain damage can't be repaired, right? So you probably couldn't have more than, like, 24 hours of decomposition going on. I think it's nonsense, but no, you're, there's you're at not least wrong. a 24-hour limit, fine. Yeah. It's still nonsense. No, I, I, think it, I think it's extremely nonsense. The only thing I can think is that the reason it can still bring... See, here's the thing. I think the host is gone at this point. I, I go the supernatural route. Once uh, once Castiel was the first time, that's when the host yeah. went away. Well, what I think is... This is the only way... Because I have to make it make sense. Because it's like, if you're dead, you're, you're gone. How are you bringing back nothing, you know? But, like, they do talk about how the symbiotes have, like, the, the um, genetic memory... So maybe, maybe the tissue holds the memory in some way, something. I don't, 
That's all I can do is be like, well, maybe there's something to do with the way that the gold have genetic memory. Because I don't know how else it makes sense if they were both dead, both gone. It's one thing if one of them is still alive. I think if, you know, if, like I said, if the host is gone, then that's one thing. But like... I think what it does is I think it literally just fixes and restarts mechanically the human body. And then because of how brains work, you it would depend on how you wanted to interpret stuff there. Yeah, exactly. That, that That's why I was like, we don't need to you. get into like um, that snake, conversation. However, because it's specifically designed, as in the gold stole the tech and modified it for themselves, um, it, it tracks that they made it be able to heal themselves as well. So Yeah, I, b I believe that it would heal them. I just, if they're gone, it's hard to be like, yeah, how do you come back and you still know yourself as Apophis, you know? But... Like I said, tentatively and begrudgingly, I'm willing to put some uh, basis on the fact that the gold have the genetic memory thing going on. So maybe it has something to do with that, some correlation there. Yeah. Well, because I'm, I'm, I'm that despite dying, you could get resurrected and still have a an a, a personality and an awareness of who you were before. Yeah, I don't know how it would work with the snake thing. I, I'm I'm actually as I was re I was just reading a little bit more, and I'm one hundred percent thinking that you're right because the genetic memory thing could totally be that extra yeah. element that that could totally explain it away in sci-fi terms. And I'm here for it, especially since I just read up on that ancient healing device. Because why wait? I can just cheat. I, I've already watched yeah, it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I used to know this. I just don't know it anymore. And I oh, that's right. Yeah. I remember that picture. Nope, I remember this now. I scrolled further. That was a mistake. Um, I remember that. Yeah, no, there are there is definitely no human brain left, uh, consciousness left there because the original healing device was a zombie maker. Oops. It was just a reanimator. So I think the Goa Old took a reanimator for human bodies so that yeah, they could fix their hosts. Yeah, there's gotta be something with genetic memory. And then, because it happened to fix the snake as well, it just, that shit went on top so of it. So that does mean that every time it resurrects a human, it's, it only works because of the fact that the human is not quite dead when they get put in. All of the times SG-1 gets put in a sarcophagus and comes back fine, other than the fact that they've got an addiction. Well, yeah, because, I mean, to be fair, it's it's modified. The, the goal old yeah. needed to be able to use a, but that's a host thing. that wasn't going insane. Like, if it caused stuff, they wouldn't be able to use their hosts. Yeah, but our issue also still applies where, like, if they get put in actually totally dead, 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 dead. how do they come back, yeah. you know? Yeah, because it just says reanimating. Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, it's it's fine. I'm trying <laughs> not to get it. too fine. into fine. this, so I'm, like, trying to shrug. Apophis is here. Yeah. That's how the episode ends. It's Apophis. Apophis is here. Surprise. He's got a metal face. <laughs> and that is the end of this week's episode. I forgot to make sure I had the tally page open. I, I was pulling episode. everything up and I was like I was looking at it going, do I have everything I need? No. No, I don't. <laughs> so, nobody dies in this episode. I mean, Bynar dies, but no one cares about him. <laughs> are you a Jack or are you a Daniel for this episode? I think I'm I th honestly I think I'm Jack because he had a few more smart ass comments in this one. Yeah, I honestly feel the same way. Yeah. Um, plus, it's hard for me to pretend to be Daniel when he just casually decided to compare Neytu to hell. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Is that was what really bugged me a lot, was Daniel wasn't being Daniel in this. I did enjoy him not even bothering to try and pull out a weapon. That was fun. Right? <laughs> and also the part where he's like, I'm making a phone call to my friend, leave me alone. <laughs> that was also fun. But yeah, Jack was... I feel like the writers knew how to write Jack better than they knew how to write Daniel. They didn't not know how to write Daniel, but 
It's always the same case. Ba- uh, I must have said babe. Ha! It's, it's always the same case, Mel. They don't know how to write women. <laughs> I can make a dumb joke about, of course, one of Daniel's best jokes was with him um, making a phone call to Teal. Because, you know, women always be talking on the phone. <laughs> I can make that joke because I, A, know it's wrong because I never answer my phone, and B, <laughs> am a woman. I make it a mission to not answer my phone. I can I can edit texts. My phone is, I can't edit myself when I'm speaking. My phone is 24 hours a day on silent. <laughs> if it takes me three hours to respond to a text because I haven't picked up my phone in a while. <laughs> because I've texted you, I've WhatsApped you, and I've, I've tried Zooming you, and yet... Still haven't gotten through. So at this point, now I'm texting Kaylee. <laughs> yeah, and that's because my phone is probably almost dead. So I plugged it in and walked away. Walked away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so we are both Jacks for this week. And what about our Joaquin Phoenix for this episode? I think I'm going to have to go with meh. I mean, I wanted I was honestly, to give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I, love I think Jacob, it's a meh. And I wanted to love it more. But it's, yeah, again, like... We we started talking about this episode by being like, look, it's not a bad episode, yeah. but it's not a good episode either. <laughs> Hopefully, Robert C. Cooper will uh, rescue. Oh, it. I have no doubt. I I next. Week. I have just like I just have a natural cautious optimism because of it. When I was a kid, I used to read the Redwall books, and yeah, same. That's right. <laughs> I forgot who I was talking to for a sec. Yeah, I um, and t- there was one. I oh shit, which one was it? I don't know. One of the characters was a squirrel. Oh, the squirrels. <gasps> Oh, um, was the, that was Tris. No, that was not. It was not Tris. That was Song. 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 The squirrel. It was later. It was later in the series. Um, it doesn't really matter. It, the whole point is that was this trio goes off on their adventures, and there's this one scene where one of the characters, I think he's a shrew, because they're the boat people. Mm-hmm. They're trying to buy a boat, and he pulls out the uh, the uh, the offering from the boat sales dude, and he goes, and the guy has been like hyping the shit out of the boat, right? So he pulls it out, and he goes. I mean, it's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. <laughs> and that has stuck with me for my entire life. It's not like it's not even that original of a thing. But something about that scene always just got me, and I use I I think back to it often. Every time something and that's what this yeah, episode exactly is exactly these moments. It's not I bad. think back to it. It's not yeah, good. I just I think of the shrew inspecting a boat, and I go, it's not bad. <laughs> not good not good <laughs> that's fair that's fair so um that is it for this week next week we are going to cover the second half of this surprise two-parter episode 13 the devil you know and we're gonna try out this new format where i lead us i leave us with the synopsis for this episode During an attempt to rescue Carter's father, SG-1 is caught by one of Hell's denizens, determined to use the information they possess to overthrow the Gold Lord Sokar. Using Tok'ra technology, the team is forced to relive painful memories, but how much torture can they take? From what I remember, that's actually not that far off. Huh. Well, we'll see next week Actually, I do like doing it this way because, having not just seen the episode, I'm not able to be as annoyed right? one way or the other and it also when we get to like later seasons where like maybe we haven't seen the episode then there'll be kind of like that lead in that's like oh wonder what's gonna happen you know well if you I haven't think it's seen fun. it i, I think haven't it's... seen it in 20 years <laughs> yeah it, it, it's the same thing if you haven't seen it in 20 years you haven't seen it yeah uh, 20 is probably a little too high 15 ish max for some of these episodes yeah so uh 
We'll see how that goes next week. It's Robert C. Cooper, so I, I, I trust I'm him. Just, I'm just, I, at the very least, it'll be okay of an episode. <laughs> because yeah. he's not terrible. I don't think Robert C. Cooper can screw up. He's just no. He's just. I don't think we've good. even given him a meh episode. Again, I, I every time I every time that comes up, I all I can think is wait till we get to SGA. I'm sure we'll have a couple. I know, but we're not there yet. So let him let him reign supreme, okay? Let him reign supreme. Okay. Okay. Him and Brad Wright have the best um, numbers right now, I believe. It's because Wright's awesome. I'm actually gonna look at that page again because I'm curious to see where we're at. Last I looked, him and Brad Wright were the best numbers. Um, yeah, um, Brad Wright only has more good episodes than Robert C. Cooper because Brad Wright has written more episodes. Robert C. Cooper doesn't have a bad or a meh episode, whereas Brad Wright does have a bad episode. That's politics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't totally fair to him. Yeah. It's like... He didn't write <laughs> half of it. Yeah. He just But, like, he hated the framing, framework for it, which he did write, so it's on his records. Oh, well. Yeah, but yeah, he's only got more goods than Robert C. Cooper because Robert C. Cooper hasn't written as much as he has. So Brad Wright and Robert C. Cooper are the reigning champions of um, good episodes currently. I just I just love Cooper. He's just... He's a delight. He is. He writes delightful stuff. Hell yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of Heather Ash in the coming episodes as well. I want to see if she she lives up to learning curve. I just I'm just hoping to God that my memory of SGU is gonna hold up as bright and shiny. I mean, I'm <laughs> guaranteeing it's gonna be like at least five percent less shiny than I remember it. Like, yeah, always. <laughs> um, but it's mostly like because I didn't I hadn't put things together when I was a kid when I was younger anyway about how Robert C. Cooper wasn't just a writer. I didn't really think about how he was directing stuff then too. So I'm just really hoping his directing style holds up to my memories. <laughs> Well, we'll see, I Because guess. some of my favorite episodes are ones he directed, apparently, and I'm just like, oh no. Yeah, we'll see how good of a director he is. It's not like I'm doubting that he's good. Clearly good at writing. Listen, uh, as a callback to the second Yin Yang Psych episode that I referenced earlier in this episode, out of all three of the Yin Yang episodes, I feel like that's the best directed one, and it was directed by the main actor of the show, James Roday. It's wonderfully framed there's some great shots in it i love how the the love letter to the hitchcock filming style that's there like it's very well done you, you wouldn't think that it's an actor doing it you know sometimes they're like that sometimes the actors from the show can be like the best directors sometimes not the case like i know alexander Siddig once uh directed a couple episodes of ds9 and i remember they they weren't good he uh, apparently it was a bit of a flub, but he's an excellent actor. So I never would have, you know, expected that that wasn't maybe his, you know, forte. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it goes in the complete reverse. Roxanne Dawson was also pretty good at directing. She was Balana in Voyager. Um, I feel like you know if you're on if you're on a set long enough, you pick things up. Well, she's clearly good at it because she actually kept directing. She's a director now. She doesn't act anymore. She's just nice. the director. Well, I know sometimes just. actors just yeah. eventually go. Yeah, I should have said directing. just because apparently it's actually kind of like the career trajectory that I'll most go for is that you start off in front of the yeah. camera and then you transition to behind it, like like Jonathan. Yeah, that's a lot of actors yeah. have done that. Yeah, so I'm guessing that's just usually the way. TV and film. Yeah, so it's it's a common trajectory yeah. if you're good at it. So. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not Liss or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole.
You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like our show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. Mm-hmm.